Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 51. I'm Kip Clark, and today with me in the studio we have another guest, Gabe Bryson Treezeis. Hello, I'm glad to be here on set with Kip. I've listened to the podcast before, and it's a pleasure to finally be on. And we are happy to have you. So today, as you can probably guess based on the episode title, we're going to be discussing the podcast Serial. Now, if you haven't heard of Serial before, we will discuss some of the details about it. It's a story-based podcast, so there will be spoilers in this episode. We would, of course, encourage anyone who's interested to check it out. It is a free podcast from the makers of This American Life, and both Gabe and myself thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's why we're discussing it today. So to give a bit of background information on the story of Serial, in 1999, 17-year-old Heyman Lee was killed in Baltimore County. Her ex-boyfriend, Adnan Syed, was convicted for the crime and has been in prison for almost 15 years. Syed is adamant that he did nothing, and the case depends heavily, almost solely, on the fact that he had no confirmed alibi. Koenig, the producer of the show, has been investigating this case for more than a year, initially for This American Life. But after successfully pitching the serial spinoff to her colleagues, it took on a much bigger role as the first story for her new genre of audio storytelling. So Gabe, you and I listened to this podcast on a drive back from college to the Boston area during the 10-hour trek that we made, mm-hmm. and we listened to it together and, of course, discussed some things. My first question to you would be, what was that experience like for you, and how did that affect the way you listened to the podcast? I think that's a very worthwhile question. Because, as you may recall, we started listening to the podcast after it had released all but one or two of its of its episodes. And the way Serial is structured follows one story week by week. So there's a new episode each week, and each episode focuses on a different aspect of the story. But we had the fortune of being able to listen to the first eight or nine episodes. Mm-hmm back-to-back, which was great because we were on a long drive eastward going home for the holidays, and we were able to just sit back and process this remarkable feat of storytelling. But it's worth pointing out that the show was not designed like that, not designed like, for example, a Netflix series like House of Cards where they just spill all of the episodes online at once to enable binge-watching. The point of Serial was not binge-listening, but for people to join them for a ride for a couple-month-long look at one story and we were kind of playing catch up on that first ride. So to me, one of the interesting things about our experience is not only that we listen to them back to back, but because I enjoy talking on car rides and also with people such as yourself, whom I know pretty well and would like to converse, I wanted to discuss each episode after we'd listened to them. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, I think I had questions after each episode about where you stood on the case. And if you believed certain people or if you thought other cases or stories were false in some way or didn't hold up to the scrutiny that they were being put under and your general opinions, do you think that functioned well as a relationship to Koenig's podcast? Yes, I think it made it a more engaging experience for us listeners. I mean, it's one thing to just listen to a well-told story. I mean, I've listened to audiobooks before. Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand comes to mind, where you aren't really forced to think and to analyze the situation for yourself. You know, she's such a precise storyteller that you can sit back and let her fill in all the blanks for you. But with Serial, it's not like that, and I think deliberately so. Koenig structures the series so you're left thinking something else after every episode. And you know, she said herself... I think it was in the Guardian article that you sent me prior to this episode that her stance was constantly evolving. She didn't know who was telling the truth. Her position basically changed from week to week. 
And I think we experienced a similar feeling listening to the podcast in the car. One episode would focus on all the evidence pointing to Adnan's guilt. Next episode would focus on Asia McLean, for example, who provided what seemed to be a pretty good alibi that you know, she saw Adnan at the public library at the time he supposedly committed the murder. So from a sort of an intellectual exercise point of view, it's a, it's a fun thing, you know, listening to the podcast and processing each new piece of evidence it gives you. I agree. I think it's very interesting. I'm really glad you brought up the evolution and the process that Koenig went through because she notes again in the article that you and I read from The Guardian that she was in a constant state of panic trying to complete each episode each week. And I found it very interesting, especially as someone who makes a podcast, that she and I are in very different positions because I record many of these episodes well in advance of when they come out. They aren't always related to current events or stories that I think need to urgently be told. Sometimes they are, but she was doing this week by week and was learning things that she hadn't known the previous week. And I think that's one of the best things about serials, that it felt very honest and genuine because she was right there with us. She had more information and more details than the audience ever will. But her learning process was similar to ours in that her sense of shock was genuine and her processing of the information happened on a similar wavelength as that of you or I or other people listening. And of course, this was downloaded millions of times. It was one of the number one podcasts for a long time. And I think that's one of the reasons that she came across as very human, as did many of the individuals in the story. I was blown away after listening to all of these episodes, thinking back about how she had just told a story that didn't involve characters, but real people and actual events. Do you think you experienced any sort of separation from the reality? Did you ever put them in a box that almost labeled them as fiction? Or do you think you were able to maintain that connection with Adnan Syed as a real person as well as the others? That's an excellent question. I think it's hard not to, at some level, treat the story as fiction because you're not directly involved. You know, you're not Rabia Chaudhry or Jay Wilds or Adnan Syed who experienced the events in question. You're a third-party observer, and because the story is told so much like fiction, it can be easy to forget that these are real people that experience these things in real life. And because it's so entertaining, I think it's easy to get swept up in the storyline and forget that the story itself is not a fiction, but something that these folks experienced. I'm right there with you. There were also individuals that Koning interviewed or discussed who had oppositional views. Some would switch their stories frequently, others seemed to deliberately mislead Koenig or offer information that was otherwise very peculiar and didn't quite add up. Were there characters or even episodes which resonated more firmly with you or with whom you identified? That's a great question too. I would struggle to point to specifics, but I think, you know, like I said before, my thinking was constantly evolving. It was, it was a challenging mental exercise because I couldn't reconcile some of these pieces of evidence. It seemed to me hard to refute the fact that Adnan Syed's cell phone was based on cell phone pings pinpointed as being in Lincoln Park at the time of the murder. Of course, Lincoln Park is the location in Greater Baltimore where Heyman Lee's body was found, and he doesn't have an alibi for that. But at the same time, Asia McLean provides an alibi for him at the time of the supposed murder, and a lot of the information Jay Wilds provided at trial seemed suspect. 
I think the challenge is that because it's a real story, you can't get the full picture. Sarah Koenig talks in the Guardian piece about how she had many, many doors slammed on her. I think that speaks to the difficulty of reporting a true story like this. You can't represent all of the relevant perspectives because folks like Jay and the two prosecutors refuse to talk to her on the record, so she's left with a somewhat slanted view of things. I think that's one of the criticisms that's been leveled at Cyril is that because she spent so much time on the phone with Adnan, because the person who suggested this story to her isn't a friend and advocate of Adnan, that it's hard not to report the story in a biased manner. So I think that's important to keep in mind when you're listening, not that that's to take away from the the value of the podcast, but it's something to be aware of as a listener. You definitely have to acknowledge the biases that are in front of you, and even those that aren't always presented. You might have to do some digging to find out why people have the motives they do. And I think the idea of ethics and which people will talk or don't want to talk is a very pertinent issue when it comes to real stories like these because emotions can be very raw, people feel very vulnerable, and of course, not everyone wants to be recorded. And even those that might aren't always as articulate or clear in their speech as Koenig might want to put on a podcast because frankly, you can't edit someone to make them sound articulate if they don't put the right words forth first. And I think that becomes very challenging. I also believe, to Koenig's credit, it becomes very difficult to tell a story through a podcast and keep people's attention. You and I had the benefit of having 10 hours ahead of us with which to listen to these episodes, so we had nothing but time, but many people are walking to work or their commute is shorter than, let's say, an episode length, and maybe it becomes awkward or uncomfortable to listen to a partial episode when it can be so gripping and you want to get the full story of that episode. And it's challenging as a podcast editor or producer to try and tell a full story, yet also keep the time constraints manageable so that listeners don't get bored or wander off. In your opinion, do you feel that she did a proper job maintaining episode length and managing those opposing forces? Clearly, I think. And you don't have to take my word for it. I mean, the fact that it was the most popular podcast of all time speaks to how successful the long-form storytelling format can be. Even if people don't have time to listen to a full episode, the way that she structures the story, you're always left wanting more you know that there's another piece to the puzzle and you want to find out what it is. And so the way that she set up Serial, it's, it's bound to succeed, or at least it, it accounts for why it's been so successful. I agree with you. She also added, I think again in the Guardian article, I can see many stories working in this way. As long as something is happening over time and we can document whatever that is, and you like the people involved, and you're compelled by whatever it is they're doing and feeling and experiencing, I think it can work. I feel like it's just a natural thing as humans. We just want to know what happens next. So as long as you can supply that tension and that narrative thread, you're good. Do you think if Koenig follows season one up with a second season, which I believe she might do in the future, it will be as successful? Or do you think people have very high expectations as a result of this season that can't be met? I think both. I don't think they're mutually exclusive because people enjoyed the first season so much. I think they are eagerly looking forward to the second season, which, as you suggest, is forthcoming. I believe Serial's website says later in 2015, so we may not have to wait terribly long for that second season to arrive. But clearly, I think there's some potential for it to be a letdown. How do you improve upon the most successful podcast of all time? Anything less than that will be seen in some quarters as a failure, which is unfortunate. One thing that stuck out to me about Serial is the way in which Koenig took the show on the road, so to speak. You may recall in one episode she assumed the role of citizen detective. Actually, that was her role the whole show, but 
This one episode stuck out to me because she took it upon herself to drive from Woodlawn High School, where Adnan and Hay were classmates, to the Best Buy, where the prosecution in the case alleged he killed her, because she wanted to put to the test the prosecution's assertion that it was possible to make that drive in a certain length of time. Now, I forget exactly what the the length of time was, but Adnan argued in his previous interviews with Koenig that it was impossible to make that drive in that period of time. And so Koenig and her producer, Julie Snyder, I believe, went on the road and found out that it would be hard, but not impossible, to make the drive. And I'm wondering your thoughts on that strategy, you know, taking a piece of evidence from the case and empirically testing it. And I think, from my perspective, that added to the appeal of the case. You know, we're along for the ride, and they're actually adding to the body of evidence that we, as listeners, can consider. I'm wondering your thoughts on that. First off, I think that's a tremendous question, because that episode in particular really excited me. I was really enthralled by the idea that Koenig and our producer Snyder were going to follow the path that Adnan had supposedly been on to test it for themselves. I'm reminded of shows like Mythbusters, where pieces of evidence or theories are given to a group of experts or people willing to test, and then they scientifically attempt to prove that. I think that's fantastic, and I also think it's very understandable to audience members of various educational levels and various backgrounds that people can follow what they're doing. They were told this journey could be made in so many minutes via car, and therefore they attempted to make it. So I agree with your enthusiasm about that. I really enjoyed it, and I also feel that it adds to the legitimacy and authenticity of Koenig's production. She cared a lot about this case and was willing to approach it from various angles. I really enjoyed episodes where interviews were conducted with various people, Jay, Asia McLean, and others, but I also think that experience is really valuable, and I was glad that Koenig and Snyder devoted some time to testing these things out. They did a wonderful job documenting it and explaining how the process worked to audience members like you and me because they clearly said this is how many green lights we would expect to pass through. These were all the traffic stops. These were the turns that we had to make following these directions. And it felt almost as if we were there with them because they were doing a great job of explaining and storytelling, which I think is true of Serial as a whole. Koenig did a wonderful job of providing all of the details necessary to follow the story. And so as I've said now, I think three times, I really enjoyed the fact that she did that. To piggyback on the example I just gave of the drive to the Best Buy, I don't know if it was in the same episode, but Koenig raised the question of the payphone at the Best Buy, which Adnan supposedly used to call Jay to pick him up. And this was a key pillar of the prosecution's case. And I loved how Koenig and her team poured through the records to try to see if this payphone even existed. Because at the time they made the series, the payphone was no longer there, which in itself was not extraordinary. Payphones have been decommissioned across the U.S. for many years now. But they went back, looked at building records, talked to employees within the Best Buy who'd been working there since the case, and could not confirm after much work that this payphone even existed. And so I'm wondering if there were similar aspects to this story that stuck out to you and maybe even threw off your whole idea about what had happened. That's a really good question and I think ties in well to how I'd like to end the episode. I believe a lot of this has to deal with the true story of what happened and the idea of truth as a whole. Frankly, I won't spoil how Serial ends, but I was left wanting more. I don't feel that the case was resolved. I don't feel as though the audience knows what truly happened to Adnan, which is understandable because court cases are often resolved in murky ways and ways that frankly don't sit well with a lot of people or don't seem entirely resolved. 
And that's how our world operates in many ways. We don't always know the truth. There are so many moving parts and so many individuals involved with any one story that it's almost impossible to know what the truth is. But of course, we as people, I believe, are always curious to know as much factual evidence as we possibly can. The details surrounding the payphone were really interesting because Koenig and her team did a lot of digging to try and find out what had actually happened. And I think that they commendably approached it from a variety of angles. They asked the Best Buy managers, they asked for blueprints of the parking lot in the area where the payphone supposedly would have been, and passed photographs of the area. And I think they really tried to find out what had happened. And although we don't necessarily know what would have happened, I think Koenig throughout the show does a good job of finding enough evidence to support certain claims. She seems to indicate that a lot of this is subjective, that people have different opinions. Many believe Adnan is such a kind person and such an upstanding individual that he couldn't have possibly murdered someone, and so they stand on that side of the story. And I think Serial is a really good exercise in proving one's subjectivity. So I would encourage not only people to listen, but to pay close attention and to discuss it with other people that have listened. And I would ask you, as it relates to Serial, what you would ask our audience to think about or maybe to experiment with in the future. That's a great way to wrap up the episode. You leave us with a lot to think about. It's certainly valuable to discuss the program with other listeners. I mean, it wouldn't have been nearly as enjoyable for me to listen to the podcast alone on that ride east. I think having someone to assess the show with discuss its various claims is really important and helps you get to a more informed, nuanced place. At the same time, no matter whether you're listening to the show alone or with others, I think it's important to do further research, especially given that in this first season of Serial, Koenig was unable to get Jay or the prosecution to speak to her on the record. But after the fact, they spoke to other journalists and raised some points that muddy the waters even more. I mean, if you thought that the conclusion to Serial was unsatisfactorily vague, then you should do more research and discover, for example, that Kevin Yurek, one of the prosecutors, pointed out in his interview with The Intercept that Adnan's defense team originally supplied a list of 80 witnesses who would testify to the fact that he was at the mosque all day the day of the murder and could not have therefore committed the murder. Once the cell phone evidence came to light, of course, the defense never referred to that list, never went back to it, because they realized that some evidence is weightier than others. And I think another interesting facet of this case is that it's one of the first in which cell phone evidence was used to secure a conviction. All that said, if you want the most informed opinion you can get, you have to go beyond the story as Koenig presents it. She does a good job, seemingly, of representing the various sides, the various perspectives to the case, but she's just one person, and to take her word for everything, I think, is a misguided approach. You need to go listen to these interviews that, that Jay and Kevin Yurick, one of the prosecutors, gave, and, and then see where you stand. And it might not be in a more secure place than before, but to do the case justice, I think you need to devote as much time as possible to it. Absolutely. And of course, the articles that Gabe and I have been referring to will be posted along with this episode, in addition to a piece by CBS, which notes that Adnan might have a chance to appeal in court this June of 2015 because Serial was downloaded millions of times and garnered a lot of attention for his case. Maryland's Court of Appeals has questions about testimonies that were not used and that Adnan's lawyer, Christina Gutierrez, did not adequately defend him. So there's been an impact, not only in the conversations that people have had because of Serial, but in some potential legal ramifications 
in the future. And I think that what Gabe and I have discussed brings to light the idea that Koenig not only did great work, but she also changed certain conversations and initiated others, and although didn't find the truth with a capital T, found elements of truth, and I think caused people to think about thinking differently and what evidence truly means. And a lot of that, I think, is really beautiful and represents how impressive and impactful podcasts can be. So, Gabe, thank you very much for joining us. I'm glad that you and I got to have this conversation. Thank you, Gabe. And, of course, to those listening, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between, and we would love to hear from you. If you've listened to Serial or if you'd like to in the future and have questions or thoughts, if you want to contact us, our Twitter is at Stride N Saunter. Our Facebook account is Stride and Saunter. You can reach us via email, strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And we encourage you to check out our website, strideandsaunter.com. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.